A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player-signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. We're not quite top of the league yet, and don't exactly have a full set of strikers. The defence isn't what you'd call watertight, and there are people looking angry in the West End car park. Referees have still got it in for us, and Steve Claridge is still on the Football League show. Yeah, season's well and truly started for Leeds United. Hello there, welcome to the Square Ball podcast number 33 and the challenge today is to not make it as depressing as podcast 32. So three happy chappies in the studio with me, Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White. Do we have to do this? And Oddie. Hello. So, season openers out of the way, Square Ball podcast back to uh, lighten the mood a little bit. So how are we all feeling now after that? Well, better we've just tucked into some malm. We have just been no. eating lots of sweets. That could have been the problem last week or the week before. Um, we didn't have any sweets, whereas now I think we've got slightly too many. <laughs> so there's a sickness in the studio. Yeah, thank you to Ross Bell for sending us uh, all those sweets. Did say that they would last a season. Half an hour, I make it <laughs> by my watch. Let's start off with something positive then. First issue of the square ball went on sale against Borough. That's good news, isn't it? 56 pages of absolute goodness. No, no pessimism whatsoever contained in those pages. It's something to distract you while the football's on. If that becomes too painful, open up a square ball and you can read, for example, a poem with a lovely picture of David Batty on it. You don't see that in the uh, match day programme. Yeah, so thank you to you if you were at Ellen Road on Saturday and you bought it or you've bought it online. Uh, we do appreciate your custom. It's going to be on sale again for the whole match and it's still for sale online via the squareball.net. As are subscriptions, if you want to get yours on there, do that. We should probably thank everybody as well for taking the price increase in uh, in good stride and rendering the 500 quids worth of 50p's that uh, were taken the long spare unnecessary because everybody brought the right change. Thanks for setting us up for a mugging, by the way, next yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's spread out between them, so you've got to mug like at least five people. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth saying that I actually put together certain sections of this magazine whilst at the labour ward at the hospital while my missus was in labour, so I hope it's all right. Well, the labour had a happy outcome. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it did, yeah. There's not not too many traces of of angst and um, cigarette ash between the pages of... um of the magazine, so I think you did a, you did good work on both fronts. It was difficult trying to explain to some of the midwives what I was doing on a computer. The missus took it remarkably well, all things considered. She was massively drugged up. Yeah. But. 
Yeah, so moving on, another Leeds fan enters the world and I'm, I'm sorry for inflicting a lifetime of pain on the poor little bugger because it's not much fun, is it, being a Leeds fan, really? Not at the moment, no. Which brings us round to <laughs> yes. the football. Uh, before we do get into the football, it is worth saying quickly, get in touch with us if you want to. Podcast at squareball.net. Of course, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and tell us what you think about this podcast and all the podcasts and our football team. So, season started, Southampton. Michael, you were there. We were all watching on telly. Oh, dear. Awful. Did you need to be that drunk to be there? Because no doubt you were. Yeah, you were planning an early start. Did, did the early start on the alcohol materialise? It did. It didn't really numb the pain of the game, though. It was a, as bad as we've played in well, at least at least three months. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah depressing, really. Is there, nothing, is there, nothing seemed to work. Any redeeming feature from that game? Is there anything positive we could draw from it at all? Clayton looked good. The crowd turned on Bates. <laughs> they, they, they were my only two positives I could take from it. Gradle scored the penalty, meaning Ross didn't miss it. That's true. By then, no one really cared. Although the goal was celebrated as if it was a, a winner, I think, in a slightly slightly ironic way. I did like as well, Gradle did that thing of running into the net to get the goal to start again quickly. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> Come on, Max. He, he cares a lot, does Max, doesn't he? He really cares. Too much, perhaps. An optimist. Which we'll come on with, to yeah. at the Borough game. Absolutely right. So let's dissect that Southampton game. If we must relive it, let's do that. Didn't it not feel to you like all the ills of last season, everything that was wrong with Leeds last season, came to bear at Southampton on the opening day? It was just, the defence was an absolute shambles, for example. O'Brien was in particularly disappointing with his... He seemed to be doing this thing, which he did against Bradford as well, of coming into midfield to try and win headers, which was then dragging all the rest of the defence completely out of shape. And they, Southampton scored a goal from it, and Bradford did as well. Fair enough, Southampton had some good finishes, but we made it very easy for them. The whole reason we got Brown was so that they wouldn't have to do that. He's supposed to be turn up against... He's not going to win a header in midfield, though, is he? Well, I know it's the end stem. Bradford that Kisnobo was doing that of coming all the way out and he was actually challenging Brown for a header at one point and he headed it and it bounced off Brown's back and hit Kisnobo in the bollocks and then yeah. went away somewhere and the two of them just ran around as if nobody would ever <laughs> seen a football before and it's like surely Brown should just say I'll do this bit you do that bit and that's pre-season training session number one sorry <laughs> to nobody report, seems to have mentioned it we did uh, we did miss Bradley Johnson oh damn which a lot of people Oops. said we wouldn't, but we didn't win any headers at all in midfield, which he, for all his, his lack of guile and... Skill. Skill. He, did, he, could, he could jump. And he did have a big head. <laughs> what do you make of Brown then? You, I mean, if we're going to see this every game from him where he's just charging around like an absolute nutter, it's not going to be useful for us, is it? Someone on the forum described it as a whack-a-mole approach to, to fouls, <laughs> which is exactly what it was. It wasn't isolating a few creative players and trying to... Uh, give them something to think about he was just kicking everyone yeah, I think it may have been me last time that said that he's going to be fine when he plays hopefully that's not turning out but then what we were going to do when he was suspended was quite another thing and then what was it half an hour into the Southampton game tackles bookings already this. his booking was actually for dissent I think in the Southampton <laughs> yeah, game yeah. which was amazing amazing really given some of the some of the tackles he put in that referee on Saturday sent him off four times <laughs> <laughs> just returning quickly to what we were saying about O'Brien I mean this carries over into the Bradford game what's happened to him? Grayson was being quite mysterious about him saying he's going through a, a bad time in his life which what he's come to Leeds United <laughs> <laughs> I mean I know he deleted his Twitter account last year but I didn't think that would have left such a gaping hole but yeah he's just said oh he's having a tough time as a professional um, I know he was injured in pre-season maybe that's all it was Something, yeah, something's not right there is it you can tell he's, he's not mentally he's not there at the minute he's not focused no nope. so don't play him play Philip Schofield instead <laughs> come and done fine as ever as he did last season so 
Philip Schofield. Lee Bromby. All right. <laughs> Grey hair, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I get it now. Grey hair on a young-looking man. And this whole tactic that we employed of whacking the ball at McCormack, is it moments like that when you think you kind of see the lack of intelligence of professional footballers shining through and you think, it's not working, stop doing it, try something different? We were doing that last year when we played Grade up front on his own and he's even shorter. Surely, if you, we've got a really small team as well, we haven't got much height in that team. And there's no point... Try passing it. Yeah. Just pass yeah. it around to each other like football. It runs better on the floor. That's one of the things uh, Grayson said after the game was that what made him mad was their instructions were to pass it along the floor in the channels for McCormack to run onto and they kept us booting it high at him. And so I think this is probably about the 20th time in 20 podcasts that we said players aren't following orders. And I don't know what we can make of that. Cross the white line and just lose your, lose your mind. Is it just that, as we suspect, they're stupid? But Brown... Is supposed to be an experienced, intelligent head. Psychopath. <laughs> well, they said he'd come in to, to add not just rampant fouling, but some sort of common sense to midfield. Surely he should be out there and saying, lads, the manager said something about this, <laughs> didn't he? Anybody remember what it was? Let's. <laughs> Bradley's gone. Um, one of the positives to note from midfield, as we just touched on, Clayton looking like a decent player, and you're sort of sitting there thinking, why don't you try him a bit last year instead of sending him off everywhere? You know? We do this every year. We send out a player or two on loan, and then they come back and we think, why were we playing Grella instead of Sommer, Kilkenny and Housen and Johnson instead of Clayton last year? You just wonder why why Grayson feels like he's got to go and send them send them to do do some good deeds in the community before he actually <laughs> play them. Do you think he's scared of bedding new players in? Do you think he trusts his own judgement? Maybe it's just he sees it as a... He'd rather have players with experience rather than sticking them straight in, but then against Borough we did end up with um, Tom Lee's an attack and uh, Nathan <laughs> Turner sort of milling around on the on the right side, so... Um, Wasn't he, it Zach Thompson? Oh, it was somebody. Yeah, some youth. Thompson. All right, final point on the Southampton game. Worrying signs from Robert Snodgrass. Was he unfit or disinterested? Perhaps one eye on the Scotland game, one eye on the Premier League, who knows? I'll let his boyfriend answer this one. He, he was having a difficult weekend that weekend. He um, Being from Scotland, he doesn't like travelling that far south, a bit near the equator. There's um, a lot of... Um, oh, fuck knows. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't very good, though. You he, can't even look at Snodgrass and say, oh, he was looking tired, because obviously... He always does. He always does, yeah. but... Um, yeah, something wasn't right. And then this um, can't be the last point on this because we haven't yet talked about um, Billy Painter's big chance, which is one of the most painful moments already. Yeah, but yeah. did anybody, and I, I posted this on Twitter just afterwards, did anybody actually think he was going to score when he went through? Did you have confidence he thought, brilliant, a no. goal back? My first thought, as soon as he ran through, because it took ages for it all to happen, but as soon as he was through and he had the ball at his feet, I thought, he's going to miss this and he's never going to hear the end of it. And so this is the, I thought we were seeing the end of a career. <laughs> it, was, it just had that written all over it, and I, even I didn't expect this attempt at a finish to be quite as bad as it was. I was drunk and on the back row at Southampton, and even I could see where he was going to put it. He made it very, <laughs> he made it very, very obvious where which direction he was going to put it in, and he didn't even get it high or with any power. I think it does. It did in that moment explain um, exactly what Billy Painter's problem is. He's got absolutely no confidence whatsoever that he he is going to score any goals. What about ability? Does he have the ability? He scored goals for Swindon in the lower league, so it's not like he's never scored a goal in his entire life. But it's like everything about that attempt at scoring just said he he doesn't expect to score, he doesn't know how to do it anymore, everything that was right is now wrong. And we, people are looking at Snodgrass as if he's the problem. 
We mentioned that before about um, Painter, that he'd had one good season at Swindon. He'd not been that prolific before that or after that. <laughs> uh, so maybe... that he is a stopped clock that was right once. <laughs> <laughs> well, he used to play for Bradford, so that gives us a nice little uh, shoehorned Bradford reference into the League Cup game that followed. Uh, 3-2 win, far from comfortable. Very uncomfortable to watch it. I was panicking a little bit. Not that particularly bother about the League Cup because we're obviously not going to win it. But just knowing that it was Bradford and that they, it had meant so much to them, I was just very relieved. Well, my to, my to get my, um, my cousin's got a son who's seventeen, and he was on Facebook. He's a he's a headstrong seventeen-year-old Bradford City fan, and he hates Leeds United. Right, and he was giving it the big it, and on Facebook all through that match, and then uh, just went on afterwards. Three-two. He's like, you should be ashamed, ashamed of what we won. Of being outplayed by a lower league team, yeah, don't matter. We still won. We, we we beat you even though we were a bit crap. Oh, yeah, well, stuff. I'm 17 and headstrong. <laughs> I always love that argument. You should be ashamed of nearly losing to my team because my team's crap. <laughs> yeah. Hold on a minute. Yeah, good value though. Nunes looking like he's sort of getting there. He could be uh, useful. Bags himself a goal or two. Missed a couple of chances as well, but miss- yeah, he does seem. At least, like he, he's getting in the right positions to score, which is always Lively. nice to see. Lively is the cliche Lively. to use when yeah. Nunez is concerned. Tricky, tricky, tricky feet. Yeah, yeah. He's got a very nice first touch, and he does look like he will create something. And is... importantly, he can pass to players on our team, which he seems to be mm. able to do. He can also um, keep the ball too long and lose it. Yeah, it's a bit like the early days of Gradle. I'm not sure how well we'll, we'll cope with two scampering midgets um, <laughs> in the middle of the park. But I like him. He's he's just. Uh, not quite there yet, but he's, a, like Clayton, he's a positive. Positive and Tom Lees as well, which sounds like Leeds, so that's a good thing. Someone pointed out on the forum, very difficult to type Tom Lees without writing Leeds. Your fingers just naturally naturally hit the D key halfway through. <laughs> but no, he was very good, that Beckham-esque cross for uh, McCormack's winner. It was beautiful. Or equaliser. Do you think with this game, ultimately it was just a case of we were a bit crap as we sometimes are in the League Cup against lower division sides and... Quality just won out in the end. They tired, sort of shot their bolt, and we just rode it out and took well, our chances. Well, a year ago we hammered Lincoln four 0 So yeah, that's different. I mean, good. there's the whole Leeds Bradford thing, and they were really up for it. Lots of travelling fans. We're a bit shaky, you know. I suppose. So. I suppose the main message was that without Connolly and O'Brien on the pitch, everything was fine. <laughs> so as soon as they went, everything sort of looked we were, perfectly acceptable again. We were helped out as well by them completely giving up on defending at two one because the. Once we'd uh, got the equaliser, which was completely unmarked, then we seemed to just get through them at ease. And Clayton got better as the game went on as well. And if we move on to the Borough game... Yeah, he looked, he was... he looked stronger, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, on to Borough, as you mentioned then, Connolly and O'Brien dropped for this match. Um, and we looked we looked stronger. That was a, a rare bit of backbone from Simon Grayson. Because like, straight after the Bradford game, I left on the um, uh, phone-in on Radio Bates and somebody was somebody phoned up and they said... Well, what's annoying is, uh, is, uh, or is uh, you know, Tom Lees has come in and done well. Why has Grayson dropped him for the next match? And Eddie Gray said, well, we don't know if he's dropped him for the next match yet because it's not till Saturday. <laughs> and the guy's like, well, you, you know what's going to happen. And it was it all became a bit flummoxed. It wasn't much of a conversation after that. Um, but the guy almost, you could sort of see a point. You wouldn't, you, you hoped that O'Brien... He'd be brave. And, You're looking uh, for brave, someone to be brave. And he was brave. And it, it was... Um, Final though it was Tom Lees' mistake for the goal, but never mind. So this this Middlesbrough game, bad luck or bad management? Bad referee. Bad ref. Bad ref. Obviously. Bad luck. We were the better team when we had the same number of players on the pitch. 
So I, I am not too downhearted about this game, even though we obviously did lose. We should have won it. It did crank the pressure up a little bit on Grace, though, doesn't it? It sort of turned it all up a notch, let's say. I was worried when I saw, for example, that he'd named four centre-halves across defence. Yeah, I think Lees did all right on, on the right-hand side. He got forward a little bit, but oh, day on the left, he, he looked horribly as stuck as a centre-back at playing, yeah. playing on the left. He drifts in all the time, leaving their winger loads of space. And there were several times on the, when he got the ball, he just didn't move with it when he had like 20 or 30 open yards in front of him. And he just stopped on the ball and then looked round for a bit before hoofing a diagonal ball. And it, you just thought, just run forward into that space. It's not difficult. Before we turn to the sendings off and whatnot, a positive to be drawn from Lonergan. Good performance there. Especially yeah, a couple of really good saves, yeah. And a couple of really good chances towards the end as yeah. well. Yeah, because he'd not looked too good against um, Southampton and Bradford. Like, I mean... I would say he didn't look good. Yeah, not a... especially bad, but yeah. some of the goals you're thinking... Could he have done better? Maybe, could have, but then two... Is he trying to compensate for O'Brien in front of him? Yeah. I'm thinking, fucking hell. <laughs> but then two fantastic saves against Borough, and then I like it when a keeper comes forward, especially yeah. in the second game of the season. He was, he was yeah. pumped up for it as well, you could see. Yeah. He, he was round to the box, clapping his hands, desperate yeah. to... Uh, desperate it was to halfway to, in, in our own half, and he was looking to the bench, saying, can I go up, can I go up? And then as soon as he, he got the nod to go up, and a big cheer from where we stand. Go on, lad, go on. This could cost us the game, yeah. but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it, gave, um, it gave everything a lift as well. You need... We needed something. It is something like that. Like somebody a actually, or a tasty challenge, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. that somebody's showing a bit of effort and a bit of desire, which is not necessarily been absent all game. But we're not really. So if the crowd anything. needs revving up, even if it's twenty minutes gone, send him forward. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, an Get your bodies in. <laughs> Instead of sticking uh, Tom Lee's up front, we could have taken Lee's off, brought Rahubker on, and played um, Lonigan up front. Would Lonigan be better up front than Painter? It's a partnership worth considering. <laughs> <laughs> we should that. remember that Peter's um, <coughs> similar injured record. at the moment. Oh yeah, injured yeah. ahem. <coughs> Poor Billy. Poor he Billy. has the same um, number of goals as Paul Robinson does for Leeds. <laughs> that's, worth, that's worth noting. Well, that's what Lonigan's going after, isn't he? He's going after that record. Referee, then we can't not talk about the referee. Disastrous performance, is that fair to say? Shocking. Yeah. Set the tone. Er- set the tone early on by booking Gradle for nothing at all. Really, just it was a foul, but. It's just a foul, just get on with it. And then from that point on, every tackle you expected a book in and it didn't generally disappoint. I missed the um, uh, Middlesbrough play against sent off, but it was time that all the people... There was a guy asked, he was coming down from the cop, and I said, what happened? And he just went, he was like, it's a total joke. Housen didn't, so he didn't touch Housen and he shouldn't have been sent off at all. Mm. And the word that we have written in our notes here, Anthony Taylor, referee, prick. I think he's... Um, I wrote that. <laughs> And you were right. <laughs> and this is the guy that the um, Sheffield United game, we looked this up, didn't we? And he sent off Snodgrass and um, Jamie Ward for Sheffield United. Is this this correct, yeah? So he's got form. He sent Snoddy yeah. off just after he'd come on, as I remember. I think Snoddy came on as a sub and then yeah. was sent off after within about half an hour for two yellows. He's a, he's a Leeds United hating bastard. <laughs> <laughs> there was not a bad tackle in that game. Where sometimes you see three players sent off and you expect there to be people steaming in all over the place and... 22 man brawls but there was nothing there was just about three powder puff tackles that all led to sendings off You'd especially the house one where it actually gives a free kick to us anyway and then was about to book the play on the floor that house one when I've seen a replay of it since and if anything if there was any contact at all it was an accidental clipping of legs so to send him off for it is just ridiculous one of these little Hitlers put your stamp on the game and ruin it kind of people it certainly ruined it as somebody um, pointed out on the forum I think the uh, 
If it was changed by the fourth official, the fourth official at that point was the linesman who'd just gone off injured and been booed all the way. So you wonder <laughs> if he just said, right, show these wankers who, who's an injured linesman. This is what an injured linesman can do. It's like a, a, a trapped fox when it starts. You're trying to rescue it, but it just fights back. How many fucks? So the big news from Ellen Road and Thorpe Arch is that we have another player, which is always nice to hear. This man is no stranger to us. Andy Keogh now arrived on loan until January, filling a gap in our forward line with all the injuries and whatnot. Are we happy? Are we indifferent? It's hard to be too delighted because you get the feeling he's not a player we've been chasing all summer. He's a player who has been available for the right price and that's why we've ended up with him. I'd be that more... price being very little. Yeah, I'd be more excited if it hadn't been for um, Wolves statement about <laughs> Leeds United they need the help they need some help so we've let them have Andy Keogh it's like, is this what it's come to we can only get players out of pity yeah, he's not the uh, premiership fringe player I was sort of hoping we were that was getting. Steve Howard wasn't it was the apparently the one that fell through that um, agent was after a, a permanent deal on 12 grand a week of which we paid 8 so it still fits in with Bates's um, policy yeah, I mean, but not being cheap, we yeah, we just wanted a loan. Apparently, surprise, surprise. I mean, I'm not really bothered that we missed out on Steve Howard because he he plays well against us, but that's because we can't cope at all with big shit house strikers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite open to the idea of him being any good. There's a, there's enough of a story there, you know, the the homecoming reject um, proving the his his first interview today said I think they let me go too quickly. So you know, he's obviously got a little bit of. Uh, Point to prove, as the the old saying goes, and whether he's capable of proving it or not, whether he'll just be another non-goal scoring striker, one in every six games. <laughs> it's the record we're looking for. But the, the I think the hope is he may be, we can stick him up there with McCormack. And if nothing else, he's got to be a better option up front than Tom Lees, who shouldn't be up front. I felt a bit sorry for Tom Lees, it's worth saying. Because I thought, yeah. on his debut... He's a centre-back, he starts at right-back, then he finds himself up front, and you think, poor lad. But, I don't know, Keogh's not exactly a target man, but he is at least taller than McCormack or Gradle, so he might, news, he might win yeah. a header, you never know. A better chance of catch, catching those balls that are hoofed <laughs> up front. And Becchio is apparently running again, so it could just be, he could end up being a summer replacement before too long. It's just... Is that definitely weeks, not months then? God, if he's running, I don't know. It's a positive sign. He will score again. But yeah, so Andy Keogh, keep him till January and just have him get him through what has to be called a striker crisis and then keep him around when it's downgraded to just a, I don't know what the next threat level is. <laughs> just, a, just a crisis. Defcon def 4. Yeah. <laughs> I heard on, uh, I think it was TalkSport I was listening to on the way in and they did a little transfer roundup and they were saying that it's with a view to a permanent move. Do you think that would be good business? I think that's probably just because Wolves want rid of him. I don't think it's actually... It's not in every loan deal. If a player turns out to be brilliant and the well, yeah, parent club wants rid of Unless it's a promising youngster, that generally is the case. Yeah, we've not, we still haven't got Lehigh back, have we? If we had Becchio and Sommer both fit, would we need Keogh? Would we need Forsell? That's my next question. He's training with us, isn't he? Mm. I'll put him in the Michael Brown category of someone who might have been a brilliant sign-in about six years ago. But I don't know what's he been doing since since he left Birmingham. He was always an odd one because he was he he played at Birmingham for years while still technically being Chelsea's player. They just kept loaning him there every season. He'd score a load of goals and he'd go back to Chelsea. Like, can I play now? No, back to Birmingham. <laughs> and now, um, and yeah, now he's pitched up. 
So he's got that. He's got that bit of Premier League glamour about him. But is he the signing actually, we were waiting for? If he's actually got any legs is that left. Premier League glamour without the Premier League wages. Well, yeah. And Ken likes that, doesn't he? Yeah, downgrade from Chelsea if he wants to come here. So watch this space. We'll come back to it in two weeks. Um, one thing I did want to ask about the whole Mendy situation. Now this is a a strange one. I feel sorry for him if the stories in the press were to be believed. We kept him here for weeks, not not even giving him his dinner money. And then we've just said, I don't want you. We've got loads of wingers, haven't we? It's like if Paddington Bear had been found at the station and then just left there. <laughs> the end. Yeah. And his money pinched from him. Actually, we've got plenty of bears at home. <laughs> but they don't eat jam sandwiches. <laughs> Right, okay then. Uh, one of the big talking points from the last couple of weeks has been something that we saw start at pre-season. Sheffield Wednesday, there was dissatisfaction expressed there against the chairman. Naturally, as you saw at Southampton, it, it spilled over there. And now it's formulated into a, a full-scale protest. At, These are at just the a, game. a few a few dissenting voices. There's, most people think he's doing a good job. Well, is again, I know you've been facetious, but at what point do we acknowledge that the worm has turned, has it? Is it just frustration at the start of the season or do you think there's been a real sea change? I think it's the fact that we brought Zach Thompson on against Borough. That's how weak the squad is, that we haven't got any great... De- I know we've got two strikers out, but we started with a, uh, a full-back giving him his debut and bringing on an academy lad. It's the lack of investment. That yeah, we- is it a case that we knew what the weak areas were and we're now seeing this transfer policy or the club's failure to be good in transfer negotiations. Well, Ken's pointed those out himself at the end of last season. He's said in interviews that his defence has been poor and that's where we need to so has, has strengthen. So has he kind of almost signed his own death warrant in that respect, that he, he's identified and been public on what's wrong and yet the transfers are his domain? Yeah, He's kept you know? going on about what we're going to do to solve the problems in the squad and then he's done absolutely nothing to actually solve the problems well, That's in what the I'm squad. saying. Is, is he yeah. now being identified as part of the problem that... You know, we say we need these players, so we identify these players, and then we just don't get them. None of them. That's because he's now blaming the agents being greedy and players not being realistic in terms of what wages they want or will accept. He's blamed everybody being on holiday, then he's blamed the agents for messing around, then he's blamed players for being greedy, um, and now he's blaming just uh, the dissident fans. Do you think think people have just basically seen through... They've had had enough of it, really, of of the stuff that's coming out. There's only only so many times you can tell someone you're going to do something tomorrow. Which is what he basically just does every week. He comes out and says, oh, pretty soon you're going to be seeing some stuff. And then, oh, well. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. You would have seen some stuff, but for this. But next week, whew. And there is now, there is a a big, tangible cream monument (laughs) to the fact that there has been some money available at Old Road. No, no, they're from from separate separate budgets. (laughs) He said, that, that quite yeah. clear. he said that, didn't Two he? Two distinctive yeah, types yeah. of expenditure. Which is ridiculous, and, and I, I love the analogy you made on the forum, Michael. It's probably worth repeating for the sake of this podcast. Yeah, just saying, I'm going to explain that now to my girlfriend, saying these the money I spend going to Leeds, it, it doesn't at all infringe on the holiday fund or anything because they're they're from two distinct budgets I, uh, so don't ever don't ever complain about that because that money could never have been used for anything else <laughs> i mean it's just i mean his justification you say nobody will lend money to buy players because there's no way you can demonstrate how you will repay it you can borrow money short term to improve properties the repayment comes from more rents and blah 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 i don't think i believe him i well, think that's if, what it comes down to if there's if there's money available to be loaned to leeds united football club 
surely Leeds United Football Club can do with it what they see fit. But then again, it depends if, if it's been secured against the future income from those sources. I mean, but the obvious thing to look at is it's probably been secured against season ticket sales, hasn't it? Well, this is the thing. It, it, we have the highest turnover in the division. We take in more money than anybody else in the division. So I don't see why a bank would say, well, I'm not sure you're going to make this money back just if we're just relying on the fact that you get £7 million a year through season ticket renewals. Um, one of the other things he said in this rambling statement was that Leeds need to, need to make money from income streams other than the basic admission price. So our basic admission price is sky high. I don't know how much more money Leeds United need to take in when we're paying that much through the gate already. It just doesn't, it doesn't, you're getting loads and loads of money from the tickets. It's not enough. We need to make more. You're not spending on anything. Where's it all going? Well, can I just, sorry, sorry, I was just, can I just make a point on this that currently working on a blog post, uh, a little article I'm going to do with a guy who stayed in the Chelsea Hotel a couple of weeks back and he works in leisure and tourism. And we're sort of going to look at it from the hotel angle. And obviously, like you said, the, the, the East Stand is a testament now to the lack of investment in the team because that's where it's going. And he made a very, very good point in the sort of thing that we're formulating in the emails we've been sending back and forth, saying that if Leeds do go ahead and build the hotel, I think it's 380 rooms spread across the two hotels, they'd then have to try and fill those 380 rooms 365 days a year to make this work. At present, they can't fill a 40,000-seater stadium 25 times a year. You know, it's <laughs> currently at about 65% occupancy, and it's an excellent point. Why not fill the stadium with fans? Especially when it's such a reasonable price to get in. I think that has shown with the Middlesbrough game, because for the opening game of the season, at home anyway, you expected pretty much a full house, don't you? There was notable big empty spaces. I think Hull, by the looks of it, there's going to be even more big empty spaces. And it's just the, the policy of, of the pricing coming home to roost because you can't expect people when they see no investment in the team to want to pay so much money the uh, the football league show highlights was they they panned across the um, the protests outside before the game they said uh, there were only 25,000 fans at Elland Road for the season's opener which for some clubs in this division that's fine but somebody at the BBC noticed that's not normal at Elland Road that's that's down the average mm. last year was 27 so for the for an opening game you would expect it to be above that. And also, Ken's blame the fixtures on the fact that people can't afford to go to two games in well, four days. There is a fair amount of point in that, but he's setting the prices for those fixtures. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah. It's... The irony was lost on him. Yeah. The other um, crucial thing he said lately was in uh, the Evening Post on Friday. Um, the day before a planned protest, there was a three-page special on why Ken Bates is a great bloke. Uh, well, it wasn't quite as bad as that, but it was, it was telling that this was... Uh, Ken Bates suddenly decided that he was going to be uh, Mr. Giving Interviews um, <laughs> as soon as people made it claim they were still waiting, Ken. In the car we're still park. waiting, Ken. Yeah, we, we'll give him more. We'll give him six pages if he wants. Um, probably two of those would just be to get a picture of him one there because he's, he's quite a large gentleman. Um, up there with Andy O'Brien's dad, I've heard. But he said um, <laughs> when he was talking about he, he's doing his usual thing of trying to pretend that we can't understand all the difficulties involved in running a football club when he said that um, uh, at Elland Road there are 17 departments and they all set their budgets out of this discreet amount of money and then Simon Grayson's given the rest to work on the team. It's like, who, what, where? <laughs> 17 departments to run a football club. I don't know who the, all they are. And two, why do they get the first tips at all the money and Simon Grayson gets the leftovers? It's like Ken decides it, that there's 17 more important departments at Ellen Road 
than it's actually, the team. Yeah, it's actually quite cynical in a way, isn't it? Because that says that if attendances drop and the money doesn't come in, the thing that will suffer will be the football team. And if, if whoever organises the programme cabins suddenly decides they all need a, an upgrade and that's going to cost three million quid, well, Simon Grayson, go swivel. We've got programme cabins <laughs> to buy. 17 departments before you can have a player. One of the things that did cause confusion... Andy Keogh. Well, have we checked? <laughs> we got a cutlery delivery coming in, Simon. I'm not sure that we can really be looking at this player. And the thing is, again, it's not... It's like he thinks that we're just... We fall for all this stuff. If he can come up with... Pluck a figure from the air. 17 departments I have to organise. Don't expect you to understand that. But that's what he's done for years. He's managed to get away with all this guff and nonsense about I can just tell them whatever they, I want... And get it, and no one's going to complain. Do you think that people are seeing through that? I now? think people. The other thing, tied as turned as we mentioned. The other thing he came out with, which was just an insult to people's intelligence and basic math skills, was he was saying that um, the season ticket money only covers half of the wage bill, so that and that's not enough. But then he also mentioned we have eleven thousand season ticket holders, but an average attendance of twenty-seven thousand. Think well, if the se- if eleven thousand season ticket holders cover half of the wage bill, then. The remainder of 27,000 we average <laughs> paying, paying, paying considerably more than the season ticket holders, then surely that covers all of the yeah, wage bill plus more. Yeah, they'd have to be paying more. less for that maths to work, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so you think, well, yeah, that adds up, Ken. Yes. When you look at actual yeah. attendance, that's just money coming in. You can spend that on whatever you like. But what have you say about Ken Bates? He's a bloody good businessman. Uh, and if we have borrowed money for the East Stand, then where's the rest of it gone? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, it is a good point. Another question I was going to raise, something that caused confusion in the YEP interview, which I'm sure, even if you're not in Leeds, you must have sort of read it online. £300,000 for the East Stand. Now, we've seen through this and read a few things that have suggested it didn't mean the East Stand, it meant the West Stand. Yeah, we think Phil Hay at the Evening Post has misread his programme notes. And when you read that line in the programme notes, it's not surprising because it's typical baits of just being confusing and obfuscating because he, he, he starts off talking about the East End and then by the time of the sentence he's talking about the West End he says people are talking a lot about if only we had the exact quotes but people are talking a lot about how much money's been spent on the East End well we've only spent uh, um, they don't realise that we're also doing these works on the West End and that's costing £300,000 but doesn't tell us what the East End's costing because apparently that's a secret why is it that the football club is unable to tell us how much they're spending on the East Stand? Is that not surely a sign that they know there's a problem with it? They'll tell in us terms what, of how the fans feel. He doesn't mind telling us what the West Stand works cost. £300,000, there it is, straight away in the programme notes. Cheers, Ken. Other, you know, and that seems a lot of money for not a great deal of work. Well, you know, look, let's, that's just None of us conjecture, isn't it? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. But, um, you know, we have got a figure for the East Stand from the council documents of £7 million. Why are they not telling anybody? Is it because it's more than we've spent on the team in about 10 years? <laughs> well, it is actually, isn't it? Because we have netted out on transfers up to the last set of accounts, which would be the summer after promotion, wouldn't it? Um, was it five point five million spent on players and over twelve million brought in? Is that right? About right? I can't remember. It's it's a big disparity, isn't it, between but it's buildings? The, they're, they're from different um, different <laughs> budgets. They're discrete, di- different types of expenditure. You want, Dan? You want, you're not going to understand it, are you? What? <laughs> you're just you're just a, a mere a mere mortal. I'm just a voice and a microphone. You got to know this as well, but with the. Um, Casper Schmeichel sale, he's given us a figure of that in the interview as well, where he talked about his 0.75 million pound transfer fee. And everybody thought that was going to at least a million, if and maybe not a million, million and a half. half. Yeah. And he suddenly, and it seems to have been. Um, I'm sure there's agents' fees though, and you know. There'll be all sorts, but it, it's just. You wonder why we suddenly. Why do we get told that transfer fee? And he's not got, he's got a great else. habit of kind of trying to make out that each time we sell a player, we actually don't make any money. He seems to always manage to get that, put that angle on it with the Delft sale, which was obviously a. Huge deal. 
just sort of went, yeah, well, we don't get that money and it's an instalment and Bradford are owed money, then there's agents' fees. And to be honest, we've only actually got about eight quid once we've, once we've paid everything. So I don't know why we've sold him. <laughs> so, I mean, realistically speaking, because we're just basically lobbing bricks at Ken Bates here, but are we talking about all the things that are now becoming real bugbears with the fans that people are fed up of hearing stuff that doesn't ring true is inconsistent well they've now and now they're in the car park and they're outside the club shop yelling at him and they're planning to do it again uh, for the whole game and whether it's whether it's going to do any good well it won't shift Ken Bates I don't think won't well he was sort of giving it the come on give me some more yeah he'll just love it but what it will do is nationally the BBC have picked up on it so it was on anybody watching the football league show will go oh things aren't right at Leeds, wonder what's going on there. So it becomes a little bit more noise about it. People at Elland Road who perhaps haven't necessarily worried too much about Ken Bates, you're going to notice a couple of thousand people yelling in a car park. So they say, well, they can't all just be angry without a reason. And so it sort of, it builds up and it builds up. And it won't, it's not like Ken Bates was going to go, oh, I hadn't realised you were all so upset. I take it all back and I'm going. It won't work that way, but it will perhaps just... Anybody around who's... Uh, I mean, the rumour mill was flying around. There were text messages I was getting at the weekend saying, Far Eastern consortiums and forums are going, oh, we've heard people are coming in for deals. So it starts to just It rocks pick the boat, up. doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the other it thing is when he's song to the London press and telling them how well they're doing and we're debt-free, and they all believe that, and they think that most Leeds fans are behind him and support him, they'll realise they don't. Do you think it'll all go away as well if the football team starts winning? Because I do. Largely. I don't know, it depends if it can gather enough momentum until then, but the downside is that for it to really gather momentum, we have to be losing every single week, which is not what any of us actually want. So it's a bit... It's, it's whether, sword, yeah, it's it? whether or not you want... You'd rather see Bates got rid of and us relegated. What was um, quite heartening, well, not heartening, but in terms of a disruptive sense, was that when we were winning against Bradford, there was still a chance of Bates out going on. Yeah, well, and I think on Saturday, during the game against Middlesbrough, the referee took a lot of the, the flat of it, yeah. Yeah, mm. and... I can't think Bates got, got away with a little bit through most of the Borough game. I think it did turn towards the end. I mean, that's it, it can keep it that way. If people are yelling at Bates outside and then yelling for Leeds United and for, for Simon Grayson inside. inside. Well, in actual fact, Grayson is a little bit culpable, I think, this season, isn't he, in terms of some strange tactical decisions. But the I mean, chance, two games. But yeah, but yeah. the, the chat, yeah, but he's, he's done it last season as well. You know, he's, he's got he's clear, a strange man. He's got weaknesses to his to his management abilities. But I think the the pro Simon Grace and Chance are a clear demarcation line from the fans of the Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. 
If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Supporting him, we're and supporting you and the team, bits, but we're not progressing. Yeah. yeah, nobody can pretend that Simon Grayson's perfect, but I think. What he displays is human weaknesses, whereas what Ken Bates displays, I'm trying to think of a way of saying inhuman weaknesses, but that's not exactly <laughs> what I mean. That's, that's fine, we get you. Ken, Ken Bates' problems seem to be much more of a, a systematic approach to really running the football club for Ken Bates' benefit rather than for Dictor- his benefit. Whereas, Dictatorial. <laughs> whereas, um, whereas Simon Grayson, just messing things up slightly. And I think at the moment... Two discrete problems. Two discrete pots of money. Um, Bates is the bigger problem, as far as I'm concerned. Simon Grayson may have more impact on the football pitch, but he did fine for us the last two seasons. He's been good for Blackpool before. Ken Bates has been a, a terrible human being for 50 years. So, <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> At least. In your opinion? In my opinion. Is there a way back for Ken Bates from this, do you think, if this carries on on the pitch? Well, yeah, because he owns the club, so he can basically do what he wants, and he's the kind of... Uh, I mean, in terms of people buying into his vision, that's what I mean. He can invest in the team, that's what it will take. But he's made it clear that that's not going to happen. Well, it won't, the tide won't turn back then. The um, only way it could turn back is if the new East Stand opens, everything, every single box is sold, every hospitality package is sold. He says, brilliant, we've got 20 million, that was in this pot, but through a miracle I'm transferring it to the other pot, and that's all yours, Simon. <laughs> it's a fair point. Uh, finally, in this section of the podcast then, Worth reporting that the Supporters Trust has now opened up membership for free to all, which is, I think is a positive step, regardless of whether you kind of buy into the philosophy of it or not. I mean, the Trust has come in for a lot of criticism, but it's good to see them taking positive steps to engage people. The Trust never really gathered much momentum at least because there's not really been much for them to do in terms of... Because uh, I guess other teams, they've been able to buy their way into the club or take the entire club over and... They're never really going to get much out of Ken Bates. But I can't think of a downside of having a strong trust organisation with the backing that that gets from governments and sort of the legitimacy given upon it by football authorities. more people that are in it, the more it can actually do. Well, it is government-backed and it's it's becoming the model that they're rolling out across Europe because UEFA have said, yes, this is the way we want to do it. The government in the recent governance inquiry said exactly the same thing, so... It's a, it's a movement that's growing in strength. If you like the idea of the fans owning a decent chunk of Leeds United at some point in the future, this is probably as good a chance of any of it happening, and it's free. I'll tell you what, there was a very good blog post put on our blog by Simon Butler about this, saying if it's not to be Bates, the alternative might not be a, a rich shake or Russian. The third way, something like the Barcelona model, but applied to Leeds, which would have to, I guess, be sort of based around a trust sort of model. It's worth a go for nothing, not a lot to lose. And plus they do get involved in um, in smaller scale stuff. They are they um, lobby on behalf of fans that have difficulties with the club. I mean, for example, if you uh, 
if you returned the ball faster than the ball boy at, uh, at Elland Road on Saturday and suddenly found yourself with the weight of 17 men in suits starting um, needless aggravation <laughs> in your direction... <laughs> Perhaps a supporters' trust with a lot of Leeds fans uh, behind it could then contact people at the club on your behalf and uh, and make sure that you aren't singled out for uh, a banning order or such. Or you could just get your pots out in the Sunday spot. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Let's talk season openers now then. Now we're at the uh, non-business end of the season. Uh, it's the first time, is this correct, that we've lost our first two league games in a long, long time? Moscow, you've done the research into this. According to my um, Leeds United uh, various statistical books, we've not lost our first two league games since uh, 1980 Not the season before we went um, we went, we went down. And if we lose our first three, it'll be the first time since 1945-1946 season, which I believe... Uh, was there anything happening around that time? Or? Well, it was the first season after the war. Oddie was home safe. Fuck off! <laughs> Thank God. Home guard. After, after his harrowing Cunt. experiences... Uh, in Dad's army. <laughs> he was looking for a football to cheer him up, but Leeds United went and lost uh, the first five of the season in uh, 1945. And, um, yes, you, I believe you, you threw your season ticket on the, the pitch at one point, didn't you? As well as his bowler hat. Um, so we can't really afford to lose to Hull City tomorrow. Just for pure records. Yes, the, the rec- we'd have to tear up the record books. We've had plenty of early season and season opening uh, memorable matches. I mean, you think back to uh, start the obvious one in recent years is Tranmere away. That was a hell of a game, wasn't it, really? Happier days, although unexpectedly happier days. I think that we're probably less miserable, or probably about as miserable as everybody was. But that was probably the lowest August. point we'd ever been by leading into that. And know? the real fear was that it was just going to get lower, that um, with a... I mean, nobody ever starts from a minus 15 and then gets promoted. They normally get relegated, and getting relegated again just didn't bear thinking about. And yeah, Tranmere away, third division football, nobody really knows what to expect. And we'd all seen Trezor Candle the season before. And we, to see him in the starting lineup, <laughs> yeah, he's not a very good footballer, Trezor, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to lay my cards on the table and say he's a bit rubbish. Good dancer. I mean, I'm not. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. That game at Tranmere, first half of that game, we were awful. We were we were really really bad. Confirmed all the fears. Yeah, it did, and I think half time came around, and uh, very much a sense of we're doomed forever. Going back to uh, Dad's army. <laughs> That's when um, one of the few times it was probably in our favour having a nasty little bastard like Dennis Wise being in charge, because I think what was needed. Um, that season was to start nasty, and because he said that when he came as manager that he wanted to put the dirty back into Leeds, and then <laughs> um, not quite sure how getting relegated to the third division fitted into that plan. But once there, and once the first half at Tranmere was out of the way, you can't say better than a last-minute winner it, under any circumstances. And under those circumstances, when your back is truly against the wall and everybody's out to get you. It changed everything, and it was after that that it was uh, just kept winning and winning and winning. Minus fifteen, who gives a? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was the catalyst for getting that run started, wasn't it? Obviously, because it was the first game, but it made everybody, like you said, a backs to the wall feeling. And it turned into a miniature 1973-74 season. I was just wondering how long we would go before we actually lost the game of football. It took ages, kept winning until November. I recall that game is. I've, we did speak about it on the podcast before, but to come at it from a slightly different angle. First half of that game was so bad that we took all our amusement from a fat kid in the Tranmere stand who 
This is the thing I have mentioned on the podcast before, when he was lifting the pie up to his mouth at half time and he'd been giving it the big one in the first half, you know, like, come on, you know, like, you know, when you're next to the away, the home fans, sorry, when you're away. And um, everything calms down at half time, maybe everyone stops and settles down a little bit, gets something to eat. But he went and got this pie and he was just, uh, he had it about waist high. And every time he went up to his mouth, they were going, oh, <laughs> you fat bastard. He was sort of unashamedly stuffing it into his face even though everyone was doing it and he you know, started giving it the belly and all that and uh, he got arrested in the second half anyway <laughs> <laughs> which was great and then the big payoff was of course like you say the last minute winner when it, it was just one of those pure unadulterated moments of absolute and the celebration as well of joy which was yeah. um, quite something it changed everybody's mood we could do with something like that now yeah did Trezor sign for Plymouth in the end he didn't turn up. He didn't up. turn up, did he? No. Have they found him yet? No, he's missing. Oh. Well, the, well, he's still out there then. We can get him back. <laughs> oh, God. Missing presumed being Trezor. I don't think we'd be that stupid as to go backwards that far. He'll be we? illegally parked outside a nightclub somewhere, <laughs> won't he? Well, they he's said... him back as a mascot, just to do some somersaults on with Scott. They said he was going to... Uh, he was, they were supposed to meet him off the train in Plymouth, but they went to meet the train and he just wasn't there and not, they couldn't get hold of him on the phone and should have got on Billy Painter's bus <laughs> thinking back to uh, to other early season games Michael you've identified one that uh, well well yeah I, this is one I remembered because I remember thinking it was going to be a good season and to look up the exact information of it I found an old BBC report and the BBC clearly shared my, my feelings on it Leeds East past Manchester City to get Tara Venables Ellen Rowe career off to an impressive start <laughs> goals from Nick Barnby who was superb on his debut Mark Viduka and substitute Robbie Keenan showed Leeds coasted to victory and the manner of their wins suggested they could mount a serious title challenge this season. Well, that sounds like it was a good season. When was that? That was, uh, that, that was yeah, Terry's first season, the first of many glorious uh, title-winning, <laughs> FA Cup-winning, Champions League-storming years that followed. When, when do you Leeds legend sacked? Nick Barnby. Leeds le- oh, Bar- yeah. Barnby, I mean. The fans' favourite. <laughs> Did anybody else actually kind of welcome Venables with a bit of cautious optimism? Yeah, it'd be all right. We might get us playing some decent football here. I was well up for it. I wanted to see his Christmas tree. I thought it'll work a treat for us. It was. I was hoping he was going to sort of revert back to what O'Leary had sort of stopped doing, which was that young side full of attacking flair. Paul Ocon, Paul Paul Ocon. (laughs) But um, it didn't quite work out that way, really, did it? But then I suppose he was an awful bastard. I wouldn't say he was an awful <laughs> bastard. He was a right money-grabbing orange prick. Everything was sort of getting sold around him, though. It was, but one player at that start of the season. Yeah, but it was betrayed by the Woodgate thing. I mean, Ridgedale well, yeah. was and just the Ferdinand yeah. thing. pathologically oh, lying about things. Ferdinand going beginning of the season, before the, the season. There was still yeah, no he, reason he for him gonna... to play Paul Ocon. No, no, no that's, that is the unforgivable. Decorum Batty was still at the club and he played Paul Ocon. Hey, you know, time and point. time again. Yeah. You know, you think back to the uh, the Christmas tree, which was obviously a four three two one, wasn't it? It sounds like the name of a good game show. That might work. Four three two one, and everyone's done a slight tweak on this, haven't they? Now this is it's the very much on vogue formation of four two three one, so pushing a man further forward. So it's all just numbers, really. It's just, it is. <laughs> it is the on vogue formation. You just got to free your minds, and the rest will follow. No, you're, ne- <laughs> you're never going to get it. Never going to get it. But he did take probably the second or third best squad in the Premier League and turn it into shit. Well, it says a lot there. You know, they were saying we could mount a title challenge, even though by this stage we had Salford and I think Woodgate hadn't quite gone, had he, by the Wood, opening? Woodgate no, it went in, in January. November. Oh, yeah. January window, wasn't it? Yeah, we still had the basis of a squad that external people thought could win the league. A- external people? Yeah, I think that's the big yeah. thing, is that internally the whole place was shot from top to bottom. Yeah. It was. It, I don't know. I never really thought it... 
mattered a great deal. Venables came in and did a very bad job of managing, but I'm not sure. Um, he did blame the players as well for not being wanting to learn and yeah. not being up for it. And yeah, I mean, you, that you does kind of. Sorry. Oh, was being a prick, like constantly all the time. It does kind of ring true about that. Uh, what Danny Mills said about there being a, bit of a cabal of players who were just sort of out on the lash all the time, and perhaps O'Leary had formed such a tight knit group of players that ultimately, I guess, saw him lose his job, and then maybe Venables could, couldn't sort of chip through that exterior. And there was that much going on. I, I watched. I think I mentioned this on the podcast last year, but I watched the game against. It was when we were talking about Lee Bowyer. I watched the game against Malaga, the home leg, when we got knocked out of the away for cup. And that was the game where, after 10 minutes, Michael Bridges went down injured and never to be seen again. And while he was being stretched off the pitch, somebody ran out of the West End to actually attack Terry Venables. Um, and this <laughs> was like, this was like six weeks into the season. And then Bowie is stamping on somebody and he never played for Leeds United again after that match. And then you had Dominic Matteo, because uh, he had the Radio Air commentary on it, and he was injured, so he was in the stands doing the commentary on that. And by the end of the game, he just sounded like... Um, he actually left five minutes before the end and it left uh, Bradders, and uh, I think it was Ian Snodden just going, he didn't look happy, did he? And like, oh, no. <laughs> I think he I think he needed to go and be alone for a while. <laughs> it, just, Gosh. And it just hinted that nothing was particularly right. It was rotten. But at least we won 3-0 against Man City. Who were, that was when, um, was it Sven had just taken Keegan over? Keegan was in charge. Keegan still. had just taken over. It was the over. battle of the former England managers. <laughs> and they would obviously have been freshly back in the Premier League at that stage, wouldn't they, after their... Uh, Hideous relegation to League One. Yes, they were. They had Nicholas and Elka playing for them that day. Man City, they'll never amount to anything anyway. Well, it, just, it just shows that, that maybe there is hope for us. Look <laughs> at them now. We could have we could have our own private plane. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to yours then, Oddie. You've picked out a game from the 90s. Yeah, the um, West Ham away. We're still Leeds first... City back in those days. Uh... <laughs> oh, oh, nine, nine, two. Nine. Not, not the 1890s. <laughs> the 1990s. You're going to fucking cop it, you lad. <laughs> <laughs> This was, this was the one where yeah. they won 2-1 uh, down at West Ham, wasn't it? was it? a Yeboah-inspired victory. Was this the green and blue kit? It was, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he got a, I think he got a header, uh, and then he smashed one from about 10 yards out, which... Did he not thump that? It was a volley, was it? it was, or a half volley, uh, at proper least. Proper smashed it. If there wasn't been a net there, that ball would still be travelling now, I think. I love Tony Yeboah. I absolutely... He was. I think he's the best striker I, I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah, I imagine him in that kit as well. That's yeah. the, When I picture him, that's the kit he's got Ob- Obviously, you sort of rate John Charles up there, but... <laughs> oh god, Wait, he's going to kill us today. No, it's, yeah, Jiboa, absolutely top draw, wasn't he? Yeah. And those thighs, awesome thighs. Yeah, <laughs> and then you follow. <laughs> beautiful, shiny, throbbing, beautiful thighs. It was the first um, home game as a Liverpool one, wasn't it? With that's that we followed goal. that on the on the Monday. We followed that with the Liverpool victory, and, and that, then we thought he'll never score another good goal like that again. No. Down Luke, to Wimble- Wimbledon, yeah. Wimbledon, break your net. It was just a good day out in East London. A very very hot day, I remember. Very drunk, very hot. Um, and a Leeds win. Beer and heat go together really well. Yeah, they do, yeah. They do. I find that's a good mixture. They do. We had something like a good team at that point, didn't we? In the UEFA Cup, Tony Yeboah. It was that sort of year-long spell where Yeboah was absolutely invincible. He, he finished every the, single the, end of the game. previous season yeah. on fire, started again. Every and single game you expected him to burst the net from about 40 yards out. Ideally, ideally hitting the woodwork on the way. He was just, he was just brilliant. Was it, was it that season that we played Man United in the cup and he scored? Was it that season or was it around that time? Obviously, when he was, I think uh, that was the first was season where he just debut. rolled yeah. it over the line. He, I, mean, I just remember that, and he just, he just ran through and scored, and he just. Yeah. There was brilliant. this one as well when the the uh, Newcastle away at St James's Park when I think uh, it must have been Shea Given in goal missed it, and Yabour uh, just sort of jogged in with it from about. 25 yards out and had his arms out before it was even over the line that was Easter wasn't it it was Easter that year 
Easter and I was away in a caravan. Me and my friends had rented a caravan on the East Coast and we uh, we listened to that on the radio, I remember. And one of my mates who I was with was a Geordie, a Newcastle fan, and uh, I rubbed it into him. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you did what? Right, yeah. I, I rubbed it into him. The game, the result, of course. What would you give for an Anthony Yeboa back? Because he's a lot of rub me. <laughs> rub his big thighs with baby oil. Michael's question is a good one. Would you rather be rubbed by Tony Yeboa or rub him? A rubber or a rubby. Yeah, I, I would happily rub Anthony Yeboa. I'd give anything to have him back. There's, a lot, not... to, there's a lot to rub now. Having seen him. I reckon <laughs> the four of us, we could take a limb each. <laughs> and we probably, after an hour's work, we still wouldn't be done. It's a massive unit now, isn't he? It's a really big unit. I was really disappointed by, with him at, at Lucas's testimonial because he was one of those players who thought, he'll have put on weight, of course he will. But Well, there was always a fat kid fighting to get out there, wasn't there? But he'll I mean. still have a shot on him. But bear in mind, I think when we, we played for us, apparently he was actually born about 20 years before yes. his official birthday. His official birthday is the 6th of the 6th, 66, which suggests he's made it up on the spot <laughs> at some point. I think, yeah, that was what um, did for him in the end, was he, he got a hamstring injury in there. And he was a very old man. Yeah, and it just, <laughs> a hip replacement. <laughs> there was just no way he could get his fitness back, and, uh, and George Graham wasn't prepared to let him try, so... Sad days, sad days. But at least uh, I wouldn't uh, be in favour of anybody throwing a shirt as they were being substituted. But at least you got a, a last, did O'Brien a last do, look. Did O'Brien do that the other night? Apparently. I didn't see it. No, TV cameras didn't pick up on it, but it was just vicious internet rumours that he did. <laughs> um, my particular favourite season opener, returning to Newcastle, was the 5-2 in the year that we got promoted. And although it was a defeat... You love to see Leeds lose. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, particular, it was just a really particularly memorable day for me and the family because we'd been on holiday and back then Yugoslavia still existed. Um, we'd been to Yugoslavia and it was still a communist country, which was interesting. But our flight back from Yugoslavia was delayed by something ridiculous like 14 hours. And we were planning to get back to Manchester Airport that morning. I think it was maybe about 6am, something like that. And uh, as it turned out, we ended up landing at Manchester Airport. I think it was about 1.30 we got in the car and we had to get from Manchester to Newcastle for that game. And my dad made it somehow and I think we got into our seats, which strangely were in Newcastle's main stand, if I recall correctly. This Just is- in time for us to go 1-0 down and Mickey Quinn bagged... 11. Yeah, four goals out of the five, didn't he? And after all the money I think Wilco had spent that summer and we thought, yes, this is our season. And we went up there and we just got bloody thumped. Beglin and Thomas. Was that when um, St James's Park from outside always used to look like a ship? Looked like a sort of an industrial container Possibly. Ship. Both um, both terraces were open at that stage, I think, behind the goals. They're the two main stands opposite. So main, didn't it used to have Newcastle United in like 30-foot-high letters written across the back of it? I don't know. I will have to go and consult the uh, great grounds of uh, England by Simon English <laughs> when we get home. Otherwise, it will bother me. In the return fixture, I remember that year, that's when Ian Baird scored, which I think was his last goal for Leeds, wasn't it, in the 1-0 the victory that year? But yeah, that was a, a good end to that season, but the start of it was one that you just thought, oh, here we go again, you know, spend money. It does show we can, well, I was going to say, we can start a season badly and then pick it up, but then you mentioned we'd spent money, so I suppose we had we had something in reserve to to sort it out. Well, after all that joy and happiness, let's talk now about the games that are coming up, starting with Hull City on Tuesday, uh, another Yorkshire derby. They don't like us very much, do they? I don't even class them as Yorkshire. They're Humberside. Holland, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> they, From the Benilux countries. They caused us trouble at uh, Boothbury Park, or wherever it is that they pay, uh, play these days, at the back end of last season. We're going to beat them tomorrow, though. Because yeah, we have to, otherwise it'll be the worst start we've ever had since the war. So not winning just isn't an option. It is. 
<coughs> it really is. With Andy Keel up front, he's going to score. And Max Gray, two. And Johnny. Oh, yeah. This is it. How, how do we cope without Johnny House? We've not seen a house unless Leeds United for about five years. Yeah, we have. He's absent for about fifty percent of games. <laughs> oh, you harsh. Oh, that was it. That was, sorry, that was yeah. it. Was too easy. Open it's goal. okay if we don't win tomorrow. Um, we've only got West Ham to follow that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really. Um, What's the record on four defeats? I didn't. Do we not go back I didn't that even <laughs> dare to check. Well, well it'll what be are that. the odds on four defeats? I could make some money here. I can tell you because it was that nineteen forty-five. Season five in a row, five defeats in a row. Let's try and lift the mood slightly. Let's let's look at something positive. You don't want to just talk about the war and five defeats. <laughs> You're like, hey, we won the war. Like granddad from Only Fools and Horses. <laughs> Come on, then let's let's try and put some positive spin on this at least. Hull lost to Macclesfield. It's a good point. Yeah, so we can beat Hull. Um, Maybe we probably can't beat Macclesfield though, but at least we can. <laughs> we got a chance against the Tigers. Wow. And of course, they lost to uh, to Blackpool at home, didn't they? So that's some sort of encouragement. Yeah, I watched quite a bit of that because it was like, ah, football's back, proper football, not just like, I don't know, there was under-21s and stuff, wasn't there, during the summer? That, uh, watched a little bit of that Women's World Cup as well. I know that you were caught watching the Women's World Cup. Oh, well, sort of football. So when that came along, and uh, I was actually, it's like, oh, I think Women's World Cup was better than the Hull against Blackpool, just, yeah, second division football, back with a bang. And yeah, but to beat Ipswich, I mean, Ipswich are looking pretty good. But there they are, there's whole City, resplendent in their 1-0 away win. I'm worried, I'll be honest. <laughs> Given the start we've made. Tense, nervous headache. Yeah, I just I just wish this was over already. What, the season? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just plan our League One trips now, shall we? Oh, come on, it's not going to no. come to that. No, we're going to beat them tomorrow, I'm confident. I think we played well on Saturday. We were, we're never going to beat Borough with nine men, were we? So, no. I think Clayton, Brown might come into his own. It's a Yorkshire derby. I think he might get stuck in. And there is a thing with Brown that it could just be lack of match fitness. hasn't played for six months, so just get that sharpness back, and he might actually win the ball instead of the man at some point before <laughs> Christmas. Don't mind if he wins the man if he gets away with it. If he gets sent off tomorrow, it'd be, we've got House and back on Saturday, on Sunday. Yeah, so. we'll just turn and turn about. Yeah, yeah. Squad rotation. I reckon we, if we've got eleven players, and you know we've got um, actually more than one striker now, so we've got at least um, a different option to just. Lumping the ball at Ross. Yeah, or sticking children up in attack. So <laughs> It will be interesting to see the team he plays because he has got decisions to be made. I was going to ask, do you think he'll go 4-4-2? With Keo and McCormack, presumably. Yeah. And then yeah. maybe Sam in for Gradle. For Gradle, possibly. Could Stick be. with the wingers. Yeah. yeah, I'll go with that. Clayton and Brown in the middle. That's what I do. Stick with Lees and Bromby. We'll see how much he proves us wrong tomorrow then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably with the 4 five, one, yeah. Conley and O'Brien yeah. back in. and Lees up front. Lee can keep his place up front. Keo not ready, so he won't. actually no, because Grayson said um, today said that Keo was going to start tomorrow, which is surprising because for a club that likes to keep uh, keep everything close to its chest, for sells at Thorpe's training, and Andy Keo will start. So first name on the team sheet, it's got to be good. Well, we'll see. Isn't it crap going into a season at this early stage? It's been so bloody downbeat about everything. Cheer up then. Well, I'm trying to inject positivity into this, but it's it's isn't it hard at the minute to You're not to, even fooling yourself. To look at these games and think we're gonna get something out of them and like let's move on to West Ham. Another Oh god. <laughs> yeah, another game on the telly. Oh I mean they've started with a defeat to Cardiff, but then they've gone on and beat Doncaster Rovers, of course. Is this gonna be the hardest away game of the season or one of them? I wouldn't be fooled by them defeating Donny because lucky early goal and then not really much more with the team they've got. And the money they've spent, they should be beating Doncaster 
by several, and they didn't. And so by, when they've lost to Watford tomorrow night, I'm confident that we will go to Upton Park, the Berlin ground, and roll them over like the uh, um, useless... Like, I'm sure Sam Allardyce, he'd roll a long way if you got him at the top of the hill and pushed. <laughs> and that's what it's going to be like. Someone's put in the notes here, Sam Sweaty Allardyce. Why is that? Just to remind ourselves that he's there, just in case... We'd forgotten. Why specifically sweaty? Um, I think it's because I mentioned uh, Paul Sweaty Jewel yeah. later on. Yes. Okay. switch. So we're going to be talking about sweaty men. Okay. Yep. That's fine. I saw him being interviewed after the Doncaster Rovers game and he's looking there fatter than usual. I know he makes a big play of big fat Sam Allardyce, but jokes are jokes, Sam. I mean, look after yourself a little bit. It's a stressful <laughs> job. It's uh, Carew. Going back to the Champions League days, Carew's playing for them now, is he? Yeah. Poor man's. Um, John Parkin, some have said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on, on paper, obviously, their team is terrifying with Nolan, Parker, Carew. You just think, oh, Jesus. We'll be lucky to get out of this with... Prutton, is he there as well? <laughs> no. no. Fortunately, uh, George McCartney's just gone there. Yeah, we've so got a chance. Snowgrass will have a field day. Time. He'll, pl- he'll play like blooming Maldini against us. You just know it. No, I reckon, who were, having had him in our team I meant, Mald- I meant Maldini now. <laughs> having had him in our team last season, I'm sure our wingers must have just... After the shit he put them through last season, a number of times they must have looked back at, uh, at the full-back position and just gone, you useless waste of space. Wages. <laughs> Arsenal game. They'll be, Snodgrass probably looked at him every single time. I may as well just have missed that penalty as this is what we get. And this is his chance to pay back. Nutmegs left every single time. It's if, true that the money... But when we got that Arsenal Cup money, that went into a pot which could only be spent on loney. Could only be spent on left backs. <laughs> yeah, backs. Is you know, obviously, sometimes you can double up as a defender on wingers. Can we double up our wingers on that defender? Yes. I think, oh, I him. Him. I think Lee's a bit straight down that. Is the one? <laughs> yeah, I, him. I had to spend <laughs> a season at Berry because of you. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you do, get it down to the right yeah. wing quickly. All right. Okay. Well, we've got a chance. <laughs> Might be a very slim chance, but we've got a chance. And after West Ham, we're on to the Doncaster game. Is that just a bit of an inconvenience? Got a good chance of winning for once. At least it's not far. It's going to cost a little bit to get there, though. If you is it, was it seventeen quid on the official coaches? <laughs> Apparently, the, the official limousines. <laughs> is that a sedan service where you get carried to and from the coach as well? I don't know. For that price, they should guarantee a win. Yeah, you can't charge seventeen people to go to Doncaster. No, that's wrong. <laughs> you can't charge people seventeen quid to go to Doncaster and then make them put them through a defeat. So I'm hoping that that uh, ludicrously high coach price is a guarantee of a victory. Plus, Andy Keogh versus Richard Naylor. There can only be one winner. It might be cup-tied. Yeah, I thought of that while I was saying it. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, What do we expect from the Donny game? Because we've sort of overcome our little hoodoo with them, I think. Their uh, struggles, didn't they, towards the back end of last season? I would expect us to win there. Because I think they're one of the few teams in this league that I think we probably are definitely better than when I look at them on paper but we play on grass not paper don't yeah. we that's the problem uh, most games though, I do go into them quite pessimistic but <laughs> you'd never tell from the tone of this podcast <laughs> ever that's the case you know but Donny I actually look at their team and I think that's quite a crap team so you think we'll beat Doncaster and then lumber ourselves with a really inconvenient cup run that, dis- that distracts us from our relegation battle <laughs> which will continue at Ipswich of course on the Saturday afterwards which is another massively tough away game so three away games on the bounce including the Donny game well, again, you're Ipswich, a bit of a West Ham where they've spent a lot of money and they've bought some good players and they've bought a lot of players that apparently we wanted, um, like Lee Bowyer and Stockdale and um, Keith Andrews. They've all been linked with us and have all ended up there. Stockdale's a Leeds fan, though, by uh, by birth, so hopefully he'll do us a favour. Throw a few in. He could... Oh, no. 
You can't be cup tied because it's a league match. Ignore me. Um, but they, although they they hammered Bristol, it looks like Bristol are going to be rubbish this year. And then they lost a Bristol whole... are another of the teams I expect us to beat. Yeah. Good. So we're going to beat <laughs> Doncaster and Bristol. Two okay. wins. <laughs> Four wins anyway. It, things are looking up. It's a third bottom at the minute. Third bottom <laughs> I've got. Are we going to struggle a lot at Ipswich? Or is it just pretty much see West Ham and see what happens? We don't seem to do very well against Ipswich, in my mind. They're a team I never look forward to. It's a bit out of the way, isn't it? And they have got the kind of strikers there, talking about Ellington, Chopra. They've even got Jet signed from, off Arsenal. From Gladiators. <laughs> J. Emmanuel Thomas. Oh, right, sorry. Arsenal. I thought you meant the lady from Gladiators. Oh, she was lovely, was Jet. <laughs> was. Back in the day. Was, yeah. <laughs> my favourite sticker. Anyway. <laughs> I'd always yeah. thought you'd have been more of a wolfman man myself. So it all bodes rather well, doesn't it, then, <laughs> what we've seen so far? Yeah. Is it over yet? We're going to have to find a way to inject some life into this bit of the podcast <laughs> because it's really difficult to talk about Leeds United playing we'll football. Turn it into something else then, not a Leeds United podcast. <laughs> Why don't we make a, a Gladiators one? We've made a start on it there with references to Jet. Nightshade, she was particularly unattractive. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember, you remember, because um, uh, Shadow was done for he drugs, was, was right. he? He was on the rides, wasn't he, Shadow? And then, but everybody said, oh, you could tell by his eyes, because he had big bulbous eyes. It's like, oh, well, not surprised <laughs> at all. Oh, if those are the only criteria, I mean, there's a... How do you reckon we're going to get on in the Atlaspheres then uh, this week? Well, it, it depends if uh, if Wolf's up to his old tricks again. They've got to try and keep him in line because he's just often, he's out of control. John Anderson he's, tries his best. Yeah, he's just got no respect. He's, he's got to just go back to his job at Foot Locker. John, <laughs> John Anderson's an experienced referee. You know, he's there to be respected and listened to. And you got people like Wolf just ignoring him. Disgusting. They need a respect campaign. <laughs> okay, listen, uh, let's return to Leeds United as much as we might not want to. I sort um, of prefer this fantasy world. Yeah, it's better, isn't it? <laughs> it's easy to talk about. I wonder what Eunice is doing now. <laughs> I'll just make a note to myself Eunice when I get home. Oh. Google, Google. <laughs> Eunice <laughs> off of Gladiators. Because I always wondered what's happened to her, and I was wondering as well, because it was the same era when... Um, and when Coventry were good, and they had, like, Josef Chipo kept scoring, and Mustafa Hadji and those players, I always associate that period of gladiators with that period of Coventry sitting the three threes against Leeds United what you've so done there I'm going to get those on YouTube what you've done there is you've shoehorned in the reference to uh, to Chippo because somebody dared you to do it on Twitter I don't think I've shoehorned in a damn thing I just natural conversation about gladiators right time to do a brand and Moroccan footballers time to do a brand new feature here on the Squareball podcast this we are calling villain of the fortnight because we couldn't come up with a pithy title so it does what it says on the tin. Somebody who has contributed to the eternal misery of being a Leeds United fan in the last fortnight. Wolf off Gladiators. Yep. Not, He's not my a lot villain of, com- of the not fortnight. A lot of conversation, is there, realistically, this I mean, week? I mean, we can always put um, Ken Bates down probably as a nominee yeah, for He's this. always a candidate, isn't he? Candidate number He's one. He's a sponsor. Ever. He's a sponsor of the award. <laughs> <laughs> Ken Bates. Yes, He'd have it. to spend money to sponsor the award. I don't think he's... Uh... All right, let's do it from the top then. This is the Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnight Award. Somebody who's contributed to the eternal misery of being a Leeds United fan. Obviously, the winner this week is... The shit ref <laughs> from the Borough game. Mr That's Anthony Taylor. Win. Anthony Taylor, referee from the Middlesbrough game. Tony Taylor. I imagine at this very moment he's disciplining his children to an unnecessarily harsh degree. <laughs> the slightest splash of gravy on the uh, on the placemats, and it's an early bath. A particularly in cold man- water. <laughs> a particularly bad man at his profession. So, was somebody was saying that Leeds should have been prepared for this, knowing what he'd uh, he'd sent Snodgrass off for nothing last season, but 
beyond saying, try not to get sent off, I don't know what you can tell a footballer, especially when a referee is going to send you off for not doing anything. Don't do anything to get into trouble, and you don't do anything to get into trouble, and you get sent off. Cheers, Auntie Taylor. Auntie Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> He's nobody's aunt. I, I am aunt. No, that won't work either. Right, so this Fortnite's villain of the Fortnite, the Ken Bates villain of the Fortnite, is Tony Taylor. Where's he from? Don't we know? Manchester. Should I maybe not mention it? Don't tell me he's a mank as well. He's a mank as well. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> Tony Taylor, mank referee. It's like a Viz character, if that was still going. <laughs> Do we going. not need um, a TV burp type theme tune to this? What, like a little musical sting? <laughs> <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. Well, if over the course of the next fortnight you'd like to nominate a villain of the fortnight for whatever reason, uh, drop us an email, podcast at net. Or just grab us on Facebook or Twitter. It'll probably be us, our <laughs> miserable podcasts. Right, with all that miserable football talk out of the way, let's talk about something happy. As we said at the top of the podcast, magazine, issue one is out. Not 48 pages of full colour. No, no, no. More than that. 56 pages of full colour. Fanzine of the year. Action. Yeah. And not That's just one it. pound. <laughs> <laughs> now one pound fifty, as we explained on the last podcast. Yeah, sorry about that. It's now got a sort of prestige attached to it that it never had before. What, that it's fifty. Yeah. yeah, it's got a conspicuous consumption. You can wave it around. Yeah. It's Some people scoffed that it was just £1. Surely that can't be any good. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people weren't buying it because they didn't want to appear cheap. Whereas now, see what I roll. <laughs> so yeah, so let's have a quick, uh, very brief run through the stuff that's in there. I mean, 56 pages is a lot to fill and there is a lot in there. We've settled the um, It's a lot to fill while you design it in the uh, leather ward. Yeah, I mean, I'm not planning to repeat that as an adventure, you know, I'll try not and get this one done before she gives birth again. Yeah. yeah, there's a, uh, a heartwarming piece about our bargain season tickets. Um, that's, yeah, <laughs> that that's, fills, that's the the se- fills the centre pages, um, which is an admittedly, at first glance, slightly confusing array of bubbles, all within bubbles. But yeah, it makes on, sense. on closer inspection, it shows just how much we actually pay for the privilege of watching Leeds United. People of all ages, we don't exclude anyone. Every single person can pay a lot for it. It shows um, like the highest priced adult tickets, the lowest priced adult tickets, so you can see what the gap is, can't you, for each team. Same again for the juniors, so there's like four statistics in an easily digestible format. There's a double-sized diary in there as well, some extra catch-up material from the uh, from the summer. There's a roundup of the summer of discontents that we faced on a similar sort of miserable theme, looking back at 1962 when we tried to sign uh, John Charles, succeeded, he wasn't very good, and they put the ticket prices up. I mean, that wouldn't continue, would it? We're not content just uh, wallowing in the misery we're living through now. We're bringing, digging up all the old misery. <laughs> Good article from Steve Firth in there about what it's like to be loved as a Leeds fan, which is a bit of a strange thing that I'm not comfortable with. What is this thing you call love? And Odda, you've done something on uh, on Twitter and... Uh, All that youth, sort of stuff, yeah. Our yeah. youth culture Social- correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> something on the East Stand as well. And a really fascinating article from MJ Mowbray. It's going to be running across the course of the season. Is this a sign of a midlife crisis? He's trying to visit all 66 grounds in Yorkshire within a certain level of the football pyramid upwards. So let's say the top six divisions. Bide your time. You can watch Leeds there soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Leeds is one of them. But um, he's been to various uh, bits and bobs. He's been to Eccles Hill United in Bradford and then to the Armthorpe Welfare Ground in Doncaster. I've been to Eccles Hill United for no apparent reason. I can't remember why. I think it was about nine. And Me too. I was meant to be going to watch Halifax Town with my mate and then their game was called off, so we went to Eccles Hill. His, his dad liked that sort of thing. <laughs> so that's going to be running across the season. Great if you want to sort of see how things pan out away from the glamour of Ellen Road. And a new uh, what glamour. Fe- <laughs> yeah, and a new feature. Nice little double page spread at the back. We all hate Leeds scum about 
how we feel about other teams and how they feel about us because they all sing it to us, don't they? It's about time they had a hate rating, all of them. Yes, yeah. there's, a, there's it's a an alternative match preview. Yeah, a hate rating given to each team and uh, why they hate us and whether we hate them. Expect references to murdering prostitutes, <laughs> shallow gene pools, um, needle strewn coastlines, that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's just Ipswich and Middlesbrough. Yeah, yeah, twenty one of the teams to go out. <laughs> So that's the mag, yeah, buy it from us. It's on sale against Hull and it will continue to be on sale via the squareball.net. Get your subscriptions on there as well. If you buy a paper subscription for the year, you get a free digital subscription, which is worth £10 thrown into the bargain so you don't have to miss out on it while you're waiting for it to land on your doorstep. So uh, you can browse it on your phone or your iPad or all that sort of stuff. So um, squareball.net, that's the place to do it. Have a read of the blog on there. All sorts of interesting articles from all sorts of people. You can also get all the back issues from the last two seasons, and in the last week, I did add the first, the very first season of Squareball as well, the first four issues from the eighty nine ninety season. So you can have a, a nostalgic browse through those, all for free with your digital sub. Vinnie yep. Jones interview in there, isn't there? The, the very first, first one, one. The very first yeah. one, yeah, worth a read. Excellent. So do that all at the squareball.net. and I think that is us done for this edition of the Squareball podcast. So uh, We're nearly out of sweets, so it'll have to be. Yeah, the, the sugar rush is finally coming to an end, and I think we're all going to slump uh, into a coma in a minute. So, uh, yeah, Ross Bell, thank you very much for sending us that season-long supply of sweets. We will need some more. <laughs> uh, so send them all to the address on the website. So farewell from me. Bye from Michael Normanton. Goodbye. Moscow White. Goodbye. And Oddie. Goodbye. We'll return in a fortnight, so keep an eye on the website. And it will be in a better mood. Yeah, because we'll have won some games and it'll all be fine again. We'll either have won some games or we just won't care anymore. I think the thing is, it's still early in the season, so a true depression hasn't set in because we're not staring relegation in the face just yet. We'll give it, wait until about January when we're, a, when we're cut adrift, then the, the real misery will set in. Get in touch then via email, podcast at thesquareball.net. Get us on Facebook, get us on Twitter. Find everything you need about us and the podcast at thesquareball.net. We'll see you in a fortnight. ta The Squareball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.